touch in your mighty hand, O Heavenly Father, your great blessings to be upon your children. We give you thanks, O God, and we give you praise. Let your inspiration rest upon us, O Lord. Lead and guide us into all truth, my Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody said amen. amen. You have a Bible? Let's take a look at God's holy word this morning. Remembering that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and that it's profitable. All Scripture is profitable. Nothing like being in the prophet's side of the ledger. That's where you want to be. All right. We are in the book of Acts this morning, chapter 13. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, I'd like to turn your attention to verse 36. Once again, Acts 13 and 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption talking about his flesh. With the exception of Jesus the Christ, when we die, the last breath you breathe, after it, I mean in that nanosecond, you'll either be in the right place or the wrong place for all of eternity. But the body goes back to the dust from whence it came. Hence it sees corruption. But when Jesus the Christ did die on the cross and Joseph of Arimathea begged, craved his body from Pilate who granted it, he brought, brought new linen and wrapped him and placed him in a sepulcher, a tomb that was hewn out of rock. And uh, three days later, though, they came looking for him and the angel sitting there said, he's not here, he's risen risen. So he saw no corruption, according to the scripture. His flesh saw no corruption. His flesh was glorified at the rising when the spirit re-entered that body that had withdrawn from it on the cross. But I want you to notice in this verse, and I'll hence just read a part of it now. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, and I'd like to work this morning on serving your generation by the will of God. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. When you think of a generation, you think of a number of people. 
They could be from birth to 21 or maybe bump it up to 30, but a generation of people. And you can have grandfather, and then you can have father, and then you can have son, who then can also have a son. And so then you've got successive generations. Each of them represent a generation. And uh, David, in his lifetime, according to the scripture, he served his generation. That number of people that he was a part of, that group that he was a part of, that generation that he was a part of. And he did it by the will of God. He did what God wanted done. I suppose he'll always best be known for slaying Goliath, who rose up and challenged the people of the Lord. And him, just a lad, actually had come down to bring lunch to his brothers and to see the battle. The problem was he got there and there was no battle going on. And uh, they were all shying away from the battle. Did not want to respond to the challenge of the enemy who came out at the same time every day and bellowed his challenge. But uh, David, being fresh from his battles, the things that training that God had given him, and as he came upon the situation, he was, he was upset about what he heard and what he was seeing and wasn't seeing. And he began to spring into action. And uh, he wasn't just talking. He meant what he said, and he was willing to, to stand and, and to, if you please, fight the battle of the Lord for the people of God. And he wasn't going to get pulled in to their lethargy or their just laying back and doing nothing and not responding here. He wasn't going to do that. He was going to get up and get with it. He came down there to see a battle, and he determined there was going to be one now. And uh, he took the challenge. Even when they made fun of him, they belittled him. They called him names. They even told him to go back home. And that's because he presented a lot of conviction to them. They were very convicted by their own conscience because they weren't doing much of nothing. And he was stirring it up he, with his, if you please, his preaching. He wanted to do something. And uh, so consequently, he began to show his generation what should be done, how it should be done. And as you know, the victory that God gave him, because he went after it in the name of the Lord, he didn't go in his own name. He didn't go under his own steam and power. He wasn't trying to do things his own way. He simply put himself in the hands of God. And that wasn't something to be general or generic. That wasn't, again, something that uh, people just blurt out a lot of words that are meaningless and aimless. Not at all. What did one writer said? He, he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Okay, these are not going to be hollow words. He said, I, when I'm speaking, I, I was in a service with a, a preacher. He's actually the one that 
uh, laid hands on senior sister Feld when she got the Holy Ghost. And he was blind, and he stood in the pulpit, and he just spoke out, and he not seen now, and he said, uh, there's a woman out there that wants the Holy Ghost. He said, if you'll come up here right now, he said, God will give you the Holy Ghost. He had a way of saying, that's my faith. That's my faith. There was a young boy that, a baby, probably about 10 months old, the evangelist and his wife, big old people, and they were in the service, and their baby had gotten sick, and they put the baby in the hospital in Miami and came to church, and it was sitting right in the second row, and they, the man, the evangelist had stood up and testified from the pew and told how the baby was so sick, real sick, and that was in the hospital and that they, uh, they wanted everybody to pray. And the evangelist was sitting there, same evangelist, and he was sitting there, and he raised his hand. He said, my faith is if you'll get up and praise God right now, God will heal that child right now. And I want you to know those people popped to their feet like toast, coming out of a toaster. <laughs> and they threw their hands up, and they began to pray. And everybody in the congregation joined in and began to pray. And just like in the Scripture, they checked the timing on it. When church was out, they went down to the hospital to see their son. And the nurse told them, oh, he's doing better. Said he wouldn't do anything before. Just lay there. He was in such bad shape. Said, but, you know, he's just sat up and he started playing in his, in his I guess, crib or bed or whatever it was. And, and uh. She was amazed, and they said, what time did that take place? And when she named the time, they rejoiced because it was the exact time that the church had prayed and been obedient to the faith of the man of God that led them in that prayer. Oh, yes. One writer said, I have confidence in your obedience. Obedience goes a long way with God. Amen. To obey is better. That's what your Bible said. You could put on all kinds of sacrifice and be disobedient, and that's not going to work out with God at all. Not at all. Yeah. But the writer, the apostle said, I have confidence in your obedience. We want to... Uh, we don't want to, we sh I should say, we don't want to let the leadership down by being disobedient. We don't want his confidence to take a blow. We don't want that. I'm sure it was a reward to Moses when the two men stepped up and held up his hands that had gotten weary weary with being up. I've done tests here over the years, probably before some of you were ever here. And uh, they said that they used an eight-second rule for some kind of test. So I adapted that eight-second rule, and I said, can you lift your hands and praise God uninterruptedly for eight seconds? Now, that sounds like nothing. 
But I've seen a lot of people couldn't keep them up for eight seconds. They couldn't concentrate and praise God for eight seconds uninterruptedly. Yeah. I used to tell them, was, see if we can break the Olympic record. Yeah. Just hang in there and really concentrate. Get your mind on Jesus. Isn't that what the song said? Get your mind on Jesus and let's have church. Get your mind on him. Cut everything else off. What are you showing? You know, almost every service, by the grace of God here lately, we have in the neighborhood of 30 to 35 young people seeking the Holy Ghost. What are you showing them? Are you serving this generation? Because, see, your generation can expand, you know. If you've got some below you and you've got some above you, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, then your generation can kind of be have wider boundaries, if you please. Can you serve your generation by the will of God? There's no other way to serve it properly. You know, if you, if you don't do it by God's will, then it's of no value. It's all that's going to matter in the final analysis after that last breath is going to be what you've done for him. Maybe you didn't slay a physical Goliath, but you can slay those devils and those spirits that come to trip you up, that come to try to destroy your lifestyle in God. Try to mess up, if you please, that example. And we are told to be thou an example of the believers. What am I showing my generation? Am I showing them how to believe? And I tell you, believe is not just a word. It, it's not just something passive. Okay? Believe is, is action. Believe is get with it. Believe is step up. Believe is press toward the mark. Believe is run the race. Believe is keep his commandments. Believe has, is action-packed. The Bible said very plainly that when Joseph was used of God before Pharaoh, God put Pharaoh flat on his back and gave him a couple of dreams that shook him to his toenails. I guess that was a form of pedicure, huh? Yeah. Old Pharaoh got up that morning, brother. They figured he had a grouch on. Well, he, he didn't get a good night's sleep. And he dreamed, and he didn't, he didn't even know what his dreams meant but he knew they were different. Oh, yeah. wasn't just a busy mind that your Bible teaches in some, some instances. Wasn't that? No, this was, this was above that. And uh, when the word came through that there was somebody that could tell him the interpretation of his dreams because he had a good track record, you know, 
You hear me? He had a good track record. Came well recommended. In spite of slander, you know, he stepped up, took a good shave, changed his clothes, splashed on a little Tommy Bahama or something. And headed on in to see Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. You know, the king was like a big lion that had a big thorn in his big paw. And it had him in bad shape. Well, he had a big thorn of two dreams. And he was in a mess. And he was hunting some help. You know, all the nonsense that goes on in this world, all the nonsense, and I, sad to say, not just the religious world, but in the realm of those that claim truth, and the nonsense, and the silliness that goes on. And Joseph walked in there, a man of God. He said, God will give you an answer of peace. He wasn't looking for taking any credit. He wasn't looking to be some big dog. He wasn't patting himself on the back and bragging on himself and puffing himself up. He wasn't doing any such thing. He said, God is going to give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So, come on. Give me your dream. And when Pharaoh gave up what God had showed him, Joseph didn't miss a beat. As he spoke the words, God was giving him the interpretation. And brother, he, I was at a church one time preaching. A woman came up to me after church. She said, I had a dream. She said, when you opened your Bible and started preaching, she said, God gave me the interpretation of it right then. And until then, I was completely puzzled. Let me tell you something. God knows how to run his business. You want to work with God. You don't want to left, what did one writer say, lest happily you be found to fight against God? Uh-uh, wrong preposition. Let's fight for God. Not against God. For God. You know, prepositions can make a big difference, too, because he's coming for the church, and then he's coming back with the church. Big difference there, friend. Big difference. But I'm going to tell you what, if you don't go with the four, you ain't coming back with the, with the Lord and the rest of them. So if you want, you want to get it right on both ends, I'm trying to say. Amen. There's nothing to gamble with here, nothing to play with here. And God said, through Joseph, the interpretation of the dreams. And he said, and he got on a roll, friend. The spirit of prophecy was moving. And he went on to lay out a whole plan on how to deal with what God showed him. Because God showed him it's going to be seven years of plenty. Woo! It's going to be great. But he said, and then it's going to be followed by seven years of famine. And it'll be so bad and so severe, you won't even remember those good and plenteous years. You know, 
was talking to a preacher, and he was telling me it was summer, and he said, what part of the congregation doesn't have the flu and isn't here? He said, the other part's on vacation out of town. And I said, yeah, summer is a definitely a pastor's nightmare. And uh, he said, uh, in talking about it, kind of made it clear that I said, well, you know, Senior Feld and I, I said, she got the flu for two weeks. And I said, she was, of course, very kind and shared it with me. Whereupon I got it for 10 days. And uh, I said, but you know what? I said, God brought us out of it to the point that I don't even remember it. It's like it came and went. I know when I was in the middle of it, it wasn't too good. But I said, you know, I'm past it. I'm out of it. It's kind of like driving over and it's, you hit the rain. Yesterday, we drove over. Of course, it's Dollar Tree Day. Got to get ready for Sunday school. And uh, so I did my Dollar Tree run as the chauffeur. And uh, so I was driving over there. And bam, we, we just somewhere out there in the middle of the cane patch, man, we hit rain. But we drove out of it. And all of a sudden, the sky was blue, little pipe, white, puffy clouds, and everything was great. It's kind of how I felt about the flu. You know, I kind of drove into that, and then I came out of that by the grace of God. I just didn't remember it anymore. Well, this was kind of reversed because God was going to give Saul all that plenty, and then there was going to come the drought. And I said, when that happens, you're not even going to remember the good. You know, well, that's kind of how I felt about the flu. I didn't remember the bad anymore. God just brought me through it. I got to church. You know, I missed church. I missed three services. That's almost unheard of for me. <laughs> and my wife, we, we like to be in church. And uh, So God said, after speaking through the man of God and laying out the plan, he said he followed it up by saying that you should appoint some men, men of action, men of activity, Another way to say that is some believers. Yeah, some people who are believing what you're saying, what you're laying out there. And men is, of course, not gender-oriented. It's men or women. I read in the Bible the other day, trying to finish the whole, the whole book, and I'm coming down to my last few books, and, man, I'm excited about that. I'm on going my last books in the Old Testament, and I'm plowing through some other books in the New Testament. I've got Bibles all over the place, and I'm, you know, different books in those Bibles, and I like to read the Old and the New together. I don't like to get out of balance. I plow the field every which way. There's good things in that book. Oh, it's all profitable. It can comfort you and help you and encourage you. And open your understanding to it and give you the light, the revelation. So you keep reading that book. Everybody said amen. Tell the Lord to help you to read at least one chapter a day. That's setting the bar pretty low. But one is better than none. And whatever, I'll tell you, wherever you set the bar, the devil's going to fight you on it. going to fight you on it. You better believe that. Need some people of activity. Some people who are going to take up the cross and follow. 
Wasn't it written of Simon the Cyrenian? Yeah. He was, he was going on vacation. He was fixing to hit the Mediterranean. Fish were biting. Had a charter ready to go. But something caught his eye, and he heard a noise, and he stopped. He stepped up in the crowd, and he was looking. Next thing you know, some six-foot-five, 300-pound Roman soldier grabbed him by the collar and said, You, help carry that cross. And he was trying to fight back from that big old grip. And he compelled him. Well, we read that. That should make us feel a little bad about ourselves. I don't want to have to be compelled. I'd like to do it willingly. I'd like to be willingly obedient. And get involved. Be a person of action. I'd like to get up and get about the work of God and the will of God. I'd like to chip in and help. One of the gifts of the Spirit is the gift of helps. Not often preached about, not often even mentioned. I doubt some people even know it's in the Bible. I asked a very proud and arrogant and ignorant man that called me not too long ago. And I said, does anybody read the book of Philemon anymore? No ethics, no professionalism. Oh, yeah. There's some things in the book, church family, if you'll read it and live by it, then God will be well pleased. And those that have confidence in you will be rewarded. Stick with the book and stick with the calling, the great work of God. Let's serve our generation. Let's show our children. Let's show people of all ages in our cities how it ought to be done. Do it by the will of God. I want to serve my generation by the will of God. Not by my will. If you read your Bible, it wouldn't take you much to read it too closely, I don't believe. You read how that Jesus went with the disciples apart to pray on the mountain. And as he told them, wait here, he went a little further and began to pray the first time. Came back, found them snoring. And uh, I guess they forgot they're no-dos or something. They were snoring away, and Jesus awakened them. Told them to pray lest they enter into temptation. He went away the second time, a little further. Begin to pray. Begin to be heavy with prayer. You know. And as he prayed, he said, the flesh, known as the Son, the visible, that which would die on the cross. I told you about the woman that came to my door one time, and she got to blah, blah, and I said, hey, I said, who died on the cross? She said, God. I said, oh, honey, if God died, we're all in a big mess. <laughs> God didn't die. The flesh died. The flesh died. The flesh was, was the son of the father. 
In other words, you must remember that God, who is our Father, is a spirit. And he manifests or showed himself clearly in the flesh. That the spirit was in Christ. God was in Christ. Everybody said amen. A simple illustration is, you know, just take a glass, a nice clean glass, you know, that the kids haven't put their fingers all over. Nice clean glass and maybe pour some water in there, you know. Fill it up to the brim. That could help illustrate to you that that glass represents the flesh, the visible, and that the water would represent the spirit. Or you could hold the glass up and it's full of air that you cannot see. Might even illustrate it better for you. But it's in there. The Bible said to wit that God, who is the spirit, was in Christ. To the fullness, that's a Bible word, in him dwell the fullness of the very God bodily. Let God turn the light on for you so you can get that revelation of the mighty God in Christ. And the Christ fell on his face, the flesh, feeling the load and the pain, the closing in. Spirits. And he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from my chalice. But I wouldn't have to partake of what's coming or drink of this. And yet, he capped off his prayer and said, nevertheless, not my will, not the will of the flesh, but thy will be done. Yeah. He prayed that more than once. It was a battle. I remember my pastor telling me one time that they wanted him to run for a certain office in the organization and that the vote kept coming out split. You had to have a two-thirds majority. And uh, so that means if you had 90 people voting, 60 of them would have to vote for, you, for one person to get that person in. And they kept splitting, they kept splitting, and they, they couldn't get it. It was 45 and 45 or something like that. And so finally he just said, I'm going to give whatever I have to the other guy. He can have it. And he said, I went home. And he said, I had to lay on my face a long time. And, you know, I'd scratch my head for a long time trying to understand just what that meant. But, you know, you can get the Bible word desire for something. And if you don't get before God for more than eight seconds, you know, and really concentrate in prayer, I want to, I want to, I need to get this under my feet. I need to die to this. And every one of us have that battle over at least one thing, if not multiple things. How great it is when you first come to God. God's Spirit is pulling you and drawing you. 
the seeds being sown in your heart, the Word of God, and you repent of your sins because you're believing what the Scripture said. And the Scripture said to repent. And so you're doing that. And the Scripture said to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, so you're doing that. And then the Scripture said for you to believe and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like they did in Acts chapter 2 in the original example. You should go back to that. And you follow their steps in the book of Acts, and you see how they served God along with David. They served their generation by the will of God. They went everywhere working, and God working with them, confirming his word with signs and wonders and miracles. People were being shown how it's done, how you to serve God, how you are to live for God. Had a man came to our church in Miami. It was a two-story building, and... Uh, at that time, we only had the first wing done, and uh, this man's brother was in the church, but this man was not, and he was a builder. He was a general contractor, and uh, he uh, was with my pastor, and they guess were looking the building over, and they went upstairs and was looking at that wing, and he looked at it, and he looked down at it. He said, man, he said, what a great place to have bingo. You know, my pastor was a wise man, and he just simply said, yeah, if you believed in it. You know, there's just some things that we don't want to show our generation. The church, we want to show how we do it, the right way to do it, the godly way it's to be done, the biblical way it's to be done. So that we'll be serving God and showing our generation we'll be doing it by the will of God. If ever a generation needed to see how it's done and live it before them, is this one. Because they're getting further and further away from the great Word of God. And they're rationalizing. Oh, yeah, rationalizing. Bring, in, bring, bring on the excuses, the explanations for why it's okay for me to do it wrong. I fear that we're living in a time and it's, it's getting tighter and tighter and closer and closer to where People do not feel that things are wrong. I believe there's people today that, a lot of people that don't believe it's wrong to lie. From what I've beheld, what I've seen, what I've witnessed, they'll look you right in the eyeball and tell you two and two is five and never blink an eye. Just an example. You know, something, in other words, really extreme and odd and off the wall and preposterous. Boy, they're just, you know. They tell me about a basketball player who believes the earth is flat. Hmm? I guess he didn't have much faith in Christopher Columbus and 
some of the others that sailed around the world. You know, or I said, well, they ought to take a nut like that and strap them in the in a, in the uh, astronaut seat and send them up and let them have a good look back. All the or just be satisfied maybe with the pictures that the telescope is taking from from out there. You know, and they're much more accurate now. But just to be just to utter such preposterous things. In most cases, it's just because people want to get attention. They just want, look at me, look at me, and do something ridiculous and preposterous. Silly. Because they, they want attention. I'll tell you what, you do a lot better to get your mind off yourself and get your mind on God and get His attention. Because, friend, He can fix things up, and only He can do it. Only He can do it had some idiot saying that, I'm sorry, I just don't know how other to explain the thinking, idiotic, what can I say? But he said that uh, when Jesus turned the water into wine, that it was alcoholic. And I'm thinking, were you there? Did, did you drink that? Did, did, did you put that through a lab? How about manna from the Bible? You ever, everybody read about manna, right, in the Old Testament? You know the word manna means, what is it? It came from heaven. Supernatural. So you're going to tell me what kind of wine Jesus made? I think not. I know one thing, it had a very good taste. I didn't read in the Scripture where anybody got drunk. You know, not at all. The comment was, you've saved the best for last. Well, I guess so, because it was supernaturally made. People just, you know, talk such ignorant junk. And yet they want to, what the Bible say, desiring to be teachers. They don't know what they say, nor whereof they affirm. Oh, but you know, you can get a YouTube thing going. You can just, you know, put your hat on a little crazy and bug your eyes out a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's some very susceptible souls out there that will hang on your every silly, idiotic word. You know. But, you know, we've got the word. We know we have the truth. We know what it has done for us. The change, the good change that it made in our lives. Delivering us from sin and darkness and ignorance and pride and rebellion and a host of other things that God took out of us and replaced us with His Holy Spirit. Gave us the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. You know, the Bible teaches that if you listen to the Bible and you study it and you, you know, you believe it. You, you believe what it says. It's not just words, you know. It's the Word of God. But for an example, in the book of Hebrews, 
Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. So this throws us back to an Old Testament example. And these examples are there as warnings to us that we wouldn't do the wrong that they did. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. In the day of temptation, the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, God said, and proved me and saw my works 40 years, whole generation for sure. Wherefore I was grieved, God said, with that generation. I'm talking to you about serving this generation by the will of God. Wherefore, God said, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts. They have not known my ways. But, you know, there's a simple remedy. Simple remedy. Done it wrong and made a mistake. Got out of line. Do what John the Baptizer taught. Repent! <laughs> Repent! If you're going that way and it's the wrong way, you make a U-turn. Mentally as well as physically. Of course. You know. Then there's the rationalizing, excusing, hard-hearted way. You just change congregation. That's all you got to do. Find somebody to take in and pat you on the back. The only rule is there's no rules. Do whatever you want to do. No problem. Yeah. What the Lord said in his word and made it very clear, he said they hardened their hearts. They err in their hearts. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, watch out, because I tell you wrath is coming. They shall not enter into my rest. Now that's that's scary. You don't you don't want to. There, there remaineth a rest to the people of God if you read your Bible. The first rest is we get the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance. That's the beginning of it. That's really the little end of the stick, even though it's so great and so marvelous. But in the big picture, there remaineth a rest to the people of God. There'll be that for when he comes for the church to catch his waiting bride away. Lord shall descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, 
The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be. He said, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, those are comforting words. In hard times and difficult times, challenging times. I told a preacher yesterday, I said, some of the things that I'm witnessing and seeing, and he was talking about the hardness of, of people's hearts. Young people even that, that he watched grow up, and now they're, you know, above 25, and they're 30 and 30-something years old. And he said, they're so hard. So hard. So attitudinal. So full of a lot of yada, 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 yada. can say anything. I mean, and they do. They do say anything. Because they do lie. I had a man sit in my office. Been here 26 years. From a child. He told me I was prejudiced. That I showed favoritism. That I didn't believe in interracial marriages. And that I was lowering the standards of the church. Now, it didn't do any good for me to disprove all of those things, you know, which I did. I remember they were going to threaten to go to court over something and, and, um, Person was preacher was telling me, almost like, what are you going to do? I said, well, it's real simple. And, and they said, it's going to be by jury. I said, good. I said, because i got a whole congregation full of people we'll bring in there, and we'll bring them through one at a time, and they can tell all the good, all the good that has been done for them. And we'll see what the jury says then. Anybody can accuse. Anybody can throw mud. Anybody can fight. Anybody can get hard in their heart. If you read your Bible, for an example, in the book of Numbers, if I remember right, chapter 14, I believe, everybody said, praise the Lord. Talking to you about serving your generation by the will of God. That you're determined to be a right example. Be thou an example of believers. This is how believers are to do it. This is how it's to be done. There's, there's some things we just don't do. You know? There's some things we just don't do. There's some places we just don't go. There's some words we don't speak. Let no filthy communication And that includes bywords, substitute words that mean the same thing. They're just a little bit too close, you know. They're not double first cousin twice removed on somebody's side. A little bit closer than that, you know. Yeah. There's some things we don't do. There's some words 
You know, we don't raise people to have potty mouths around here. <laughs> no. We like things clean. We like things honest. We like things upright. And we're happy about it. We're happy to have the victory and the deliverance and the great hand of God on us and in our lives. We want to let our light so shine. We want to serve our generation. If you want your kids to do it right, then you better live it right in front of them. If you arch your eyebrow, that kid's watching you, and he'll, he'll be or she'll be doing that too. Yeah? I don't know how people do that. They've got some kind of muscle control. I don't know. Yeah? looking when you don't think they're looking them they're more observant than you think they are and I, I trust that everybody wants to win their children well you, you're not going to win them by being a poor example by disobedience and that old human spirit of yours up and running again after it got repented and buried oh yeah Help me, Lord, to serve my generation by your will. Let me show them, Lord. Let me just live it day in and day out. I told somebody, I said, social media has taken gossip to a whole new level. And it was bad before. Gossip has never been good. But now, friend, it's, it's a whole new level. And the person said to me, yeah, and you know, it's a shame because it could be used for such good. Yeah, 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 I know that. But the problem is that the powers of hell in the world in which we live has a way of getting a hold of these things. The man that invented television, we've never been against the invention of television. Any more than I would be against the invention of social media. Zuckerberg or whatever his name is. It's how it's used and it's what's happening, the reality of it. The son of the man who invented it, I believe they were from Scotland, and he said, if my dad, he said he did what he did because he wanted better communications between the nations. And uh, he said, if he could see What's happened, if it was possible, he would roll over in his grave. Yeah. Well, he, unfortunately, he probably is rolling and gnashing of teeth going on, unfortunately. Didn't get used for the right thing, and it doesn't get used for the right thing. And I'm afraid neither does the social media. Very rarely has somebody got the right motive and can restrict themselves that narrowly and hold themselves to do it correctly and do it right and do it for a good purpose. Definitely the exception, not the rule. They are in Numbers 14. I believe it's said like this. 
Joshua and Caleb, they were of them that searched the land. And they were so upset, so upset, because the people, the congregation, the generation, particularly of those that were over 21, and all they could talk about was, let's go back, let's go back, let's appoint a captain, let's go back. Too many Goliaths, if you please. Same idea. You know, they're giants and we're grasshoppers, and you know, their city's got big walls, and, and on and on it went. And they discouraged. You know, you can discourage people. the devil, he knows how to just say very little sly things and seem so innocent about it. Just slip it in there. Hath God said? And so it was that they discouraged the people by bringing back an unbelieving, was called an evil report after they had been sent and trusted to check it all out. Canaan land, the promised land, which really represents the church, where the gifts are. And they come back saying a bunch of junk, discouraging the hearts and causing people's hearts to melt their resolve to live for God, to do and go. And consequently, they were dragging their toes big time on the leader, Moses. And Joshua and Caleb were two of the, of the 12. Does anybody want to name the, nine, the 10 for me? Me neither. I never have cared to learn their names. I don't care who they were. I don't care what their names were. But I know Joshua and Caleb's names. Yes, sir, because they brought a good report. They stood behind. They held up hands. They went forward. And that's exactly what God did. He said, okay, you want a captain, you want to go back, you want to forget all the signs and wonders and miracles and things I did for you. God said, fine. He said, go serve all those other gods. Go play your little church. Go play your games. You go ahead and do that junk. He said, make sure that when war comes or problem comes or you lose your health, be sure to call on them. Yeah. He said he was grieved. God's soul was grieved. With how they forsook him. They forgot about him. How they treated Moses, the man of God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Bible teaches that that uh, it just became a, a terrible time of turning back for that generation. They would not take the example of those that were determined to serve according to the will of God. They just closed their eyes to it. They just explained it away or rationalized it in their heart. And just kept on doing what they were going to do. God said, fine. You can keep telling yourself everything's all right. 
while you go in circles for the next 40 years. Yeah. And how when you die, yeah, just living, going in circles, when you could have been an encourager, a hand holder upper, a person of activity, you could have been one of them that the Bible said a chosen generation, a chosen generation. You could have been an example of a chosen generation in your spirit, your attitude, your way of living. So much good could have come out of your obedience, your obedience to God and, and to his work. You know, when Paul found himself in jail or prison once again for preaching the gospel, some people, not too many people I know that wind up in jail for preaching the gospel usually for murder or stealing or some assault and battery, something that's definitely not good. And uh, they said they had a newspaper, said they had a, a road rage killing the other day and that when the authorities got there, there were two brothers, an older and a younger, and the younger brothers when they were interviewing him, trying to, they had the knife. The blood was on the knife, and the guy's laying there dead. I think he was 26 years old. And uh, but the younger one said, "I did it." He said, "It's all on me. I did it." Wow. You know, I'm afraid people are, shall we say, proud about the wrong things. Proud about doing it wrong. Proud about telling Moses off. Proud about discouraging people. Proud about, there's no rules for me. I, I do whatever I want to do. It's all on me. You know? I told a, I read a, an account of a guy that was given life. He was 16 years old. And he had a, was following the, influence of an older person and it certainly was not showing him the right way to do things. Got the bright idea to go rob a store and when they did they doused the part-time worker with gasoline. And then as they left the younger one through what's called a Molotov cocktail a homemade type bomb back into the store, the shop, and it exploded and everything caught on fire, including the young man that had a part-time job. They said when the first responders got there and found that charred body, he was still alive, and he was screaming, begging them, Shoot me. 
shoot me. He was in that much misery and that much pain. Now, now, all these years later, the 16-year-old is now around 56. He had been given life without parole for that murder. That fella died just a few days later in the hospital. And uh, the judge recounted in a rather lengthy speech and discourse why he was not going to let him go free and that he was going to have to go back to jail for life. Even though he'd been a model prisoner, but the particularly heinous crime that he did just could not be wiped out. But you know what I like? I like the fact that we serve a God that can wipe out anything. If a guy dies in prison, and I've, done, I've been out there, they're baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost, friend. Don't worry about that prison. The Bible said if you, it'd be better for you to go through life missing your, your right hand or your right eye or your right foot than to enter into hell whole where the worm dieth not and the fire's never quenched. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But to them that will serve God, that will be in the church and that will be obedient and will submit. They will serve God. They will, they will serve their generation by the will of God. To them there remaineth a rest. Oh, yeah, and God said those other folks, they're not going to enter in to my rest. He said, I swear it in my wrath. You know, God's anger can get hot. I want to find him merciful. I want to appeal to his compassion and his, his godly love. Love isn't letting your kid do anything they want to do whenever they want to do it. Love is not patting your kid on the back. To, you know, when they're little, they, you make a little monster of them, you know. But after a while, that monster grows up, and then you got a big problem on your hands. But you did it. You created that. Yes, they could have named you Frankenstein or something. You know. There is a way to do this. The writer said, how shall we order the child? Well, how about how shall we order the generation? The devil hates order. He hates being, people being in subjection and being obedient. And serving their generation by the will of God. This is how the church does it. This is what we do. And this is what we don't do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I go down the radios down there and preach. And, and uh, that church boy, friend, he sits under a lot of preaching. And he wants to give me all this nonsense. And, man, I give him bam, bam, bam. And I tell him, the church is right down here. You just come on out. I don't let him get away with all that syrupy talk. 
and all that nonsense and then want to tell me he's, he's the same as us. He's nowhere near the same as us. Wished he was. Would to God he was. You know, we are not playing church here. This is not a game to us. This is our life. And we're looking for eternal life. There remaineth a rest to the people of God. I want to see this generation begin to serve God. I want them to do it according to His will, His ways. To have the light, how painful it must have been for the original believers to watch people that were supposed to be among the congregation rise up, walk out, to have such a hard heart as they went to Rome and brought the biggest perverted mess you've ever seen. Joined ranks with the emperor. And we'll, we'll put together your own personal church and religion. And so he backed them. And they did it. And they took things. See, they were Jewish people, Jewish believers who quit believing, who wouldn't listen to Peter and James and John and Paul and others wouldn't listen to them. The light began to go out, and it will. And they found themselves, we're gonna go, we're gonna change location, we're gonna go, we're gonna show you how. See, they were still fighting the battle about going back to the old things. They took things from under the old testament. And they mixed and mingled it, tried to with grace, and it don't work. It does not work at all. And all they did was come up with a great big deception that has its sorceries have deceived the nations of the world. Many, many people. Oh, yeah. Brought all kinds of falsehood. All kinds of unscriptural things. I remember uh, going to when my wife and I got married. We were just kids, and and they. I remember the priest said, the first one we went to that we were sent to by her family, that uh, he got my wife alone, and he said, "He's no good. He'll leave you. You'll wind up working in a time saver all your life." Well, guess what? In August, that'll be 48 years ago. She didn't work in a time saver. She worked in the church. Amen and amen and amen. But that's what made the difference. We had leadership that showed us how to serve God in our time, in our generation, in the years that we would live. They gave us the right guidelines, the right example, and they stood for it, and we submitted to it. Yes, sir. And that's what we want to show our children and the generation around us. We want to show them the right way to do things.
Everybody said amen. It's important, church family. It's important to serve this generation by the will of God. People that, what I find is that people don't want to be accountable. They don't want to have to answer to anybody. They just want to do whatever they want to do. Now you just stop and think for a minute. You that are a little older. Is that how you want your child to be? No accountability? No listening to what they're told? Not taking any teaching? I don't think you can honestly say yes to that. I think you want to order the child, put order in their life, put guidelines in their life, try to help raise them up to be strong and healthy and solid and decent, you know. That's, that's what you should be thinking about. And that they can grow up and they can give what you've given to them. The most precious thing, and I tell people all the time, constantly handing out invitations. And if you notice, we have three new signs out front, one in English and one in Spanish and one in Creole with Acts 2.38 spelled out. I give out a lot of invitations, and I tell people all the time, that's the most important verse in the whole Bible. That right there, Jesus gave us that, the keys to the kingdom. How to be born again of water and spirit. How to get a filled with the Holy Ghost and live a Holy Ghost-filled life. You know, I don't want the earth to open its mouth and swallow people up, but it happens. It happens. They used to go to church. For a while, they lived for God. They used to be in subjection. Well, let's not be a bunch of used tos, okay? Let's be right now, right on the mark, pressing toward the mark, the bullseye, for the, high, this high, for the prize of this high calling of God. Oh, yeah. Help us. Rise up like David of old and slay the giant of our generation. You know, I'm telling you, I don't want my teaching coming from YouTube. I teach better than YouTube. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You better. Get your mind, get a hold of your heart, and give it to God and give it to Him every day. Ask Him to wash you every day, strengthen you every day, so that you can strap on the whole armor of God and go out there and show them where you work, where you eat, where you go to school, where you shop. Of course, nobody shops, I know that, right? 
thing, but now everybody's shopping online, right? Well, whatever. I've done that too. I've I've called you know to pay a bill on on the over the phone, and I I witness to the per person I'm talking to. I'll say, where are you where are you from, Dallas? You know, and I'll tell them, you read the Bible at all? Yeah. Well, write this down. Acts 2.38, go read it. Most important verse in the whole Bible. They'll say thank you. That'll be that. Sow that seed. It's good seed. It's good seed. Let me, what did it say after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you? You'll be witnesses unto me. I want to tell everybody. I want to share with everybody. Not everybody's going to be happy about it. Some people are going to be ugly about it, but. You can rest in the fact that you did what you're supposed to do. You, you gave the greatest verse you could give. You threw the, the lifeline to somebody that's drowning, whether they know it or not, in perdition and sin and darkness. Oh, yeah. Come on, church family. Let's serve. Let's serve. We've been serving here for 43 years in this town. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've always been thankful for those who stay. And that really put their roots down. and They get stable. Yeah. They're not tumbleweeds. You know. They're not blown about with every wind of doctrine that people lie in wait to deceive oh yeah those little those little phrases that get said those little words that get said hath god said you know little things that get dropped in there that you could have better discernment than poor old eve had that you could be sharp because you've been trained right you stuck around long enough to be trained Jesus even did that in teaching all the Beatitudes, particularly like that one where he said, blessed are the pure in heart. Their motives are right. They're not doing a bunch of sneaky, underhanded things. Oh, yeah. But he had them sit down in groups of 50 and hundreds. He made order. And he fed them. He taught them. He cared about them. Let's serve our generation. Let's do it by the will of God. Everybody said amen. And then we can be in that first resurrection. Won't that be wonderful? It's going to be more wonderful than you can ever imagine. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. Believe your Bible. Yeah. The man lifted up his eyes in hell. Oh, boy. Just wanting to dip your finger in water and and my tongue because it's parched in this flame. And there's no end to that. There's no end to that. No end to that. But neither is there any end to the street of gold, and gates of pearl, and walls of jasper. The river of life, the fruit of life, 
and that the light comes from Jesus. No need for sun or moon. You know, sit with him in his throne as an overcomer. World without end. Former things have passed away. All things become new. No sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no devil. No, not at all. What God has in store is going to be beyond wonderful. Words, just like the Holy Ghost, words fail. You just don't quite. It's an experience. It's so good to be in the church. It's so good to have the Holy Ghost. It's so good to be true and faithful. It's so good. Everybody said amen. Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right. I had a preacher one time. He, he, uh, he ran away. And uh, he joined up with another group. And, uh, he'd been with me for 15 years. And I saw everything come from nothing to wonderful. I had no complaints. But uh, apparently he did. And um, so I asked him, and I started naming names. You know, oh, you know, the devil don't like to be pulled out, in, out of darkness into the light. He doesn't like that. You know, people don't really like the preacher that's been around and knows. I had some inspectors come here to inspect our building. And, uh, you know, if, if a tile was a little bit up, you know, just picking on every little thing. And I said, gentlemen, I said, um, have you been downtown? Have you inspected anything down there? Yeah. I said, you know, where there's no water to flush? 22 families have to use one bathroom? You been down there? You been inspecting? How about the daycares? That they've had their water turned off. I said, gentlemen, I've been here 43 years. I said, I know some things. The head guy was there that day, and I had visited him down at his office once before over a matter and uh, that somebody had just lied. That's all there was to it. And uh, what I said, I looked at him and I said, you know, this is a beautiful building. We, we do things right here. And he looked at the other guy and he said, hurry up and fill that out and sign it. I said, thank you. And out they went. He said, we won't see you for another year. I said, that sounds good to me. Much as I like you guys, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know what people's motivations are, what's in their heart, why they're doing what they're doing. But I hope that we can put some good things in people's hearts. I hope that we can show them this gospel. Lots of people talk, yada, 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 yada. You know, when 
and you all hang Sister Bell up too much after church too long, I have to do my puppet show. And this is what I want you to do. And that's my little signal. It's time to go. Time to go. Lights out. Yeah. I was late to something the other night, and I told the person, I said, well, I said, some of them wanted Senior Sister Bell, and some of them wanted me, and I said, we couldn't get away. That's okay. You're the priority. Just try not to be too long-winded. Keep your sermon short. All right. We love you. So I, I want to finish. I told the, the young preacher who thought he was all that and still thinks he's all that. I said, um, I said, back when we started 15 years ago, I said, uh, in that case, I said, um, where was so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so? -and -so? You know what his answer was to me? Nowhere! I said, exactly. That's right, exactly. But now, oh, they're the big dogs. Well, you go bark with them. Get out of my face. I got business to do, you know? Nothing like a little appreciation, you know? Nothing like a heartfelt thank you once in a while. I had two kids call me Friday night, and they thanked me for taking care of their after-church meal. We want to thank God. You know, got a lot of things to thank God for. I want to show this generation thankfulness. I want them to hear me saying, thank you, Jesus. You know? And I don't want none of that syrupy, fake, phony, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. You know, yada, yada, yada. Let's live a life. Let's show our generation how to do this. And it's going to be how you live it that's going to show them. Because I'm telling you, they've heard all the talk. They need somebody to walk. And everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. You can stand up now. God bless you. i got to get the musicians going. Some people won't stand up for what's right because they think they got to fit in with the in crowd. You don't know what the in crowd is then. It's not the people wandering in circles and dying in the desert of sin. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. There's a work to be done. There's a life to be lived. Isn't it written, who shall declare his generation? We've got to declare the generation that the Lord represented in the days of his flesh. We've got to bring his report so that people will believe his report. Great to be in the church great to have the truth. It's great to let your root, get your roots down, get settled. Some things are settled in your mind, in your heart. 
You don't have to go back and go through all that again. That's all settled. It's all been dealt with. It's taken care of. Everybody said amen. amen. There's a business here in town. Every once, I go in, every once in a while, I go in there and pay our account. And I said, come on, here it is. I said, I want that printout that says zero balance. I said, I want to go hang it on my refrigerator. <laughs> That's a good feeling. I'm glad when everything's right with God. I'm glad when everything's updated. I'm glad when I'm not trying to pull any fast ones on my Savior. Amen. And everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. I want God to know I appreciate Calvary. Appreciate that blood. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Oh, yes. It's great to be in the church. And everybody said God bless the offering. In Jesus' name. <laughs>